from designing helicopters six times faster to decreasing training times by 85% to increasing consumer conversions up to 40%, Virtual, Augmented and Mixed Reality XR are producing some of the highest ROI improvements seen in business. This is the XR for Business podcast where we interview industry leaders using XR solutions to deliver real bottom line results. And welcome to the show, Michael. How are you doing? Pretty good. How are you? Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. It's going to be a really exciting one. Let's tell everybody at home, what is your vision for virtual and augmented reality? What is the best virtual reality or AR experiences? What is the best thing that you have done? And explain to the listeners why that is. So for me, it's definitely the fitness aspect of VR as a gamer. I definitely enjoy the fact that I can play a game, not be sitting the entire time, and afterwards I've burnt 500 calories and feel really good about it the next day. The research coming out in XR and reducing pain and increasing motivation to me is fascinating. There's a lot of medical use cases coming up in pain reduction using virtual reality for pre-surgical uh, and also perisurgical, where you're wearing a headset to distract you. And I know one of the things that blows my mind is my daughter, she's 10, and she is terrified of needles. Like, we're talking blood-curdling screams from the nurse's office. The next time she goes, we're going to use VR to try to distract her while they take blood because it's a stressful thing. And when somebody goes into a surgery, uh, being able to decrease their stress, it's hard to measure the success outcomes, but at the same time, just being able to calm them uh, is something that I think VR does really naturally. And you talked about uh, exercising in VR. Give us some examples of some of the ways people are using VR to exercise. The boxing games are pretty popular, and I definitely have to mention Beat Saber. That's probably the uh, <laughs> top one at the moment. Basically, you have two lightsabers in your hand, and you've got to swipe up and down and left and right with your left and right hand and dodge out of the way of things. It is incredible. It's dancing. <laughs> it's dancing and disco, and it's so good. Yes, it's really good. You kind of lose track of time. I think that's why it's good that it's based on music. The song ends and you're like, oh, back to reality a little bit. <laughs> yeah, there was a guy who was playing and he lost 45 pounds playing Beat Saber. Yes, um, I've actually met a 68-year-old retiree who logs into VR every morning at 5 a.m. just to warm up for the day. That's incredible. What does he play? What does he do? Back when I met him, we were playing a game called Smashbox Arena. It's a multiplayer game, it's kind of dodgeball. It's defunct now, but there's a lot of other games like that. I think Rec Room's probably the number one out there where you can hop in, it's a free game, and it's cross-platform, and you see people in there at all times of the day. I've played paintball in there. It was a lot of fun. Yep, that's the game I actually play competitively. That's kind of my workout every day. I'm so terrible at it. What are the tricks? You, you got to bounce from place to place, and it's just it's crazy. Well, I think the trick is the same with anything. Practice makes perfect. Playing with people who challenge your skill set. Speaking of that, talk to us a little bit about how you're challenging young minds and people who are passionate in the space through your makerspace, VR Dojo. You are the voice of virtual reality in the Midwest. I can't imagine that there's a huge hub of VR in Kansas City. Maybe speak to us what's happening locally and what you're doing to bring that hub together. You know, I'm not sure if I'm the voice. I definitely hope I'm helping. But my aim with VR, you know, VR to me can happen anywhere. And as much as I'm very happy that the coasts are innovating as much as they are, I think there's a huge opportunity here in the Midwest. There's a lot of talent here. And I have heard from other people that 
even places like Kansas City actually have quite a bit of VR happening. And I say VR, I mean XR, AR, all of it. There's a lot of, for example, architectural firms in town, and they aren't as flashy as a virtual sport or something, but they're all using VR for showing the buildings or going to a client and saying, hey, would you like this room moved over here? Would you like this equipment coming through this wall or that wall? And I think it's use cases like that that aren't necessarily flashy and public-facing that a lot of companies are using today. And I think in the next couple of years, everyone's just going to be using XR and we're going to wonder, whoa, whoa, where did that come from? <laughs> in my last interview, we were talking about 2019 is that year where it goes from you're doing VR, you're ahead of the game, you're a future company to you're not using VR. What's wrong with you? Yeah, exactly. And one of the, and I don't know how many names I should name, but there's definitely a large company here in KC that uses VR for uh, training employees. One example is retail employees. They actually build virtual versions of their stores, and they might actually do that when the store is not built yet. It might be two months out before the store is built, but they want to hire their people two months early and give them two months of what's essentially hands-on training before their physical store even exists. So what company is that? I don't know if I can say. Okay. <laughs> Maybe make an introduction. We'll have them on the show. They can talk about what they're doing and how it's working. I would love that. Everybody's getting this interest in what can this technology do for my business? How can I use it? And we've talked about just in this very short six-minute conversation that we've been in here, you've talked about VR being used for design and for pre-visualization and for training and retail. You've talked about exercises, fitness. There's so many, personally, I think, there's no facet of human communication that we won't be touched by this technologies. And so where do you see the path forward for, for companies? How do they get involved? I guess I'd say if you're a business and you aren't at least thinking about XR in some facet, you're already behind. It's a pretty bold statement. Yep. <laughs> the last place I worked was a fast casual food chain. I worked at their technology headquarters and we did technology training for the employees and I started working on VR versions of things so they could reach in and grab the cables that they would have to unplug and replug in, essentially saving the IT tech's time on the phone by training the employees as how to run their cafes. Wow. It sounds like a small thing, but when you consider the cost to send an IT person out there just to plug something in that could have been done simply. And I think one of the other things that people really haven't fully grasped is the see what I see or remote assistance, being able to hold up your phone, show the person on the other end what you're looking at and have them annotate on it. That alone is saving millions of dollars right now. It reduces stress. One of the biggest things of being an IT support person is you're stressed because you're sitting in a cubicle all day. They're stressed because they're dealing with customers and technology isn't necessarily their number one thing. That's why they're calling you. If you can give them this literally hands-on, hey, take it out here, plug it in there, and it's not you trying to explain to them over the phone. That's a huge reduction in stress, not to mention, like you said, the reduction in travel. There's a huge reduction in cost, and it starts out with those small conversations. But over the course of a year, I can't even imagine what the savings are for almost any sized company. My last interview was talking about how Boeing is using it, and these big enterprises are using it pretty much everywhere now. They've realized the potential. And when you start to see 25 to 35 to 40% reductions in times it takes for people to learn, uh, but also reduction of error rates across the enterprise. I mean, 
the last few years have been really funny that people have been, okay, so what are other people doing and what's their ROI and how are they measuring success? And it's been really hard because as a developer, you're like, well, I don't know. We just make the stuff and there's not very many people doing it. And we really don't know the ROI yet. But I think we've kind of, in the last two years, put a lot of POCs, a lot of effort into building these demos and POCs and proof of concepts, developing these trials. And now the, the data coming back is way better than anybody could have ever imagined. So it's not a matter of, hey, let's do a POC. It's like, let's roll this out because we already know it works. Here's the numbers that other people are seeing. Let's go. I think VR is already here, XR, all of it. I spend some time at a free roam VR arcade. I help out there. And 90% of the people that come in have never even touched VR before. And they're not even gamers. They're just there to do something on the weekend. And when they leave, they're like, holy crap, I did not know it was this far. And I tell all of them, the groundwork for XR has been laid for decades. There were just a few key technologies that needed to be fixed. And those technologies exist. Now, the only thing that's lacking is uh, design sense because we just haven't been designing for it. So when it comes to capabilities, it's already there. There's, there's no reason not to dive in, in my opinion. The costs have come down dramatically even. You look back when commercial VR launched in 2016 and you needed a $1,500 graphics card, combine that with a computer, then the headset, you're at three grand before you even start. Then you needed software and the software didn't exist, so you had to make it. So a company getting in three years ago would have spent a couple hundred thousand dollars just to build something that by today's standards was kind of obsolete. But if you look at where we are right now, a lot of those problems have been solved we even have headsets that are standalone. Everything's built into the headset. You don't even need a computer. You're absolutely right that the groundwork of XR has taken decades, but we're right now in the point where it's ready to scale. And this is why I've been working on starting this dojo or this VR makerspace, because the tools for building, there's VRTK for Unity. Um, there's just all these tools, Amazon Sumerian. You can dive in and start building for VR with almost a $300 laptop and an Oculus Go, you can be less than $1,000 in and create something usable, something that can actually change the bottom line for your company. There's VR where you can make the full thing in computer graphics, but there's also 360 videos and being able to capture a training experience in 360 video and then add computer graphics on top of that. And there's companies like Striver who are doing this exact thing for Walmart and football teams and other brands. I think just Something so simple as a 360 video, which is very easy to capture now. The cameras are under $5,000 and that's for 8K cameras. And then being able to overlay the data that you need and the next generation of headsets that will come out in the next 24 months will all have eye tracking and head tracking. So you know where people are looking. You can really get a, an incredible amount of data back from the headsets as well as deliver the content to the viewer. So what are some of the most impressive business cases that you've seen so far? Most impressive business cases, I think, go back to training. As I said, the fact that you can have your store that's not even built yet and have, by the time that store opens, a team of associates that literally know everything. They know all the product details. They know how to interact with various types of customers, where every product is kept, where the extras are kept in back, and maybe they only stepped into that store yesterday. Yeah, that's a pretty incredible uh, thing to be able to train people on things that don't exist. One of my previous interviews was talking about neutral digital. They were talking about how the airlines are using 
VR to show people planes that don't exist yet. Here's the airplanes of the future, and here's what we're going to do, and here's the first class cabin, and you can book your tickets. But then they're also able to take that same asset and then train the staff on the airplane that's coming in a couple of years so that when the plane is delivered, you don't have to waste a second of ground time because for every day that you ground a plane, it's $100,000. So being able to do that is incredible. Yeah, most definitely. And going back a step, you don't even have to get that crazy with your technology to use this. At one of my previous jobs, the one where I was building those immersive trainings, we were using Adobe Captivate, which is a pretty standard training software where you make essentially interactive PowerPoints that save quiz data and such to a SCORM database, whatever learning management system your company uses, and you can throw together a training in about 10 minutes. And one of the features they recently added is 360 photos or videos and then making those interactive. And it's just as simple as point and click, but to your point, that's sometimes all you need. You talked about these 8K cameras or the 360 cameras, but I went into one of the cafes with my smartphone. And yeah, it takes a little longer, but I took a 360 photo, which is standing there and being the tripod and uploaded it and made a little training and sent it to my the director of technology and was like, hey, look, this is what we can do today. Wow. That's incredible with a smartphone. It's incredible. The technology path is moving so fast that if you had said, hey, we want to make a, a five-minute training thing three years ago, you would have had to print the 3D mounts for the cameras and go out there, film it, stitch it. Two weeks later, you'd have the rough draft and then, oh, you wanted to put some CG in there? Oh yeah, there's another three weeks of work. The tools that are popping up are really democratizing virtual and augmented reality creation. And I think that's what's really exciting. So what are some of the tools that you've seen used really effectively to create this content? It would depend on your use case. Is it marketing? Is it training? Unity is always my top one. As someone who grew up as a game designer and player, I definitely side towards Unity. I think that the tool set they have is incredible. And if you're going for full immersive, Virtual Reality Toolkit is an open source toolkit that out of the box, everything just works. When it comes to augmented reality, if you were going to go more towards the marketing thing, the snap lenses alone are crazy. Did you recently see Snap's location-based augmented reality where they're augmenting entire buildings now? It's incredible. There's been over 400,000 snap lenses created in the last couple of years. Snap is really the leader in augmented reality. Yeah, I think most people that use Snap know Snap. They know filters. They see this cool stuff, but they actually don't know what augmented reality is or maybe have never even heard the term. It's very true. We get cut up in all the terminology. Snap just said, look, we do cool things with your camera. <laughs> yes, and that's all it takes. Yeah. You can try on glasses. You can see a car in your living room. You can light up the Eiffel Tower. It's really interesting what those guys are doing. And they also announced voice-driven AR activations as well. So you can talk to it. Yes. Yeah. Audio augmented is another whole can of worms. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you were saying that you captured 360 photos from your phone and then were able to create a very simple training exercise just from the smartphone. Yeah, and that was all built in. I mean, the credit goes to Adobe for sure for having this stuff built into their technology already today. Um, I've actually been working with Silke Miesnik. She's head of emerging technologies over at Adobe. And the things they're working on are incredible. One thing she's trying to put together is something called the Sensory Design Group. Something I've mentioned a couple times now is when it comes to the technology for AR and VR and XR, uh, the technology's here, the tools are here. Now it's a matter of, okay, we need to get in and actually use it. 
and they're trying to establish a list of design rules to kind of help further that process. Adobe's introducing all sorts of tools left and right. One of their announcements the other day was this amazing ability to create 3D objects and 3D products and then have the back end to, to source and serve them up for programmatic ads uh, on Facebook, on Google. 3D on web is really becoming prevalent as well. We're past that point of, hey, can we make this work? Then it's, yes, we can make it work. How can we use it? And now it's, okay, we can use it. We made it work. Now, what are the limits of which we can push this technology? And one of my last interviews was with Anthony Vitello or Scarred Ghost. We were talking about haptics and how haptic vests and gloves can be used across enterprise for simulation of training, but also scent machines and different spatial audio and things. So how do you see the different senses being brought into virtual and augmented reality? One of the biggest things that got me interested in spatial computing to begin with was my own research into neuroscience and the fact that our brains are wired to remember spatial information. If you've ever heard of memory palaces, it's an old technique they used to use back in the days of Greek and Rome to remember anything. Now it's kind of seen as just a fun thing to do. You can set your shopping list up in a 3D representation of your house in your head. But that's where spatial computing to me is so amazing is that it's keying in on something that we've kind of ignored for years in a uh, literature-based society. We're all about written words and numbers. But now with spatial computing, we've opened up an entire new three-dimensional palette for training, memorization, etc. And our brains were built to live in a three-dimensional world. And now we can reach out and change this world, not only visually, but also as you're saying, once we have these haptic technologies, you can actually change the way we experience the world through audio and feeling. It's going to be really incredible what's coming. I got the, the chance to use the ultra haptics as this device where it uses ultrasonic waves to give you the, the sense of touch. And then there was another one where I tried where I put these sensors on my finger and I reached into a fire and I felt like it burned me. I, I jumped back. I got to try this thing called Vasco, which is a scent machine that mounts to the bottom of your VR headset that you can program. So you program it in Unity or Unreal. I reached out, grabbed a cup of coffee. I smelled it. It smelled like coffee. You go and you look at the grass. It smells like grass. So the ability to create scents in addition to haptics and the visuals, obviously, and then the audio, this is really, really an exciting time to be in this space because there's so many different aspects of it. And you just have to find what works for you. And I think it, it can be very overwhelming for businesses. What would you recommend for a business getting in now and how do they get to real ROI or real business use cases without getting caught up in the minutia of all of this stuff? Because it's easy to go down rabbit holes in this technology. What advice would you give for businesses looking to get in this to stay really useful for them rather than get caught in these rabbit holes? There's definitely a lot of answers, but given how easy it is to dive in, if you have the resources, I would say get one headset and get yourself a, whether it's Unity, whether it's Sumerian, uh, whatever it is, and whoever the techiest person is, have them try some stuff. Think, what's the one thing we could train people with using VR or better yet, maybe marketing? What can we put in a headset that maybe our sales guy could take this Oculus Go with him in his suitcase when he goes on these sales meetings and actually show people the thing we're building in full three dimensions, let them reach out and touch it. Diving in in that way, I think is the way to go. 
That being said, because it's so easy to dive in, there are a lot of studios popping up everywhere that are very eager to help companies get into this space. I see XR right now as the IT revolution that hit businesses in the last couple decades. Um, I worked at a steel mill one time, and that was the back end of the IT wave was hitting that place. And that was uh, in an industrial complex in the middle of nowhere, Arkansas. So XR is hitting that wave right now where it's going to transform all businesses. Either dive in with the team you have if you have the resources, or if you don't have the resources internally, definitely be seeking out some of these studios, call out to them and say, hey, we'd love to at least talk to you about your thoughts on how you think XR could help our business. Talk to somebody who thinks about these things daily, like perhaps yourself, and I'm sure you could come up with ideas for most any business. Over the last few years, we have literally done work in countless industries from mining to food service to hospitality, travel, tourism, training, education, schools, seniors' homes. And the results is always the same. Everybody loves it, but it's really creating those business use cases around that. And because we've done so many things, it's a little overwhelming to us as well because you can't be everything to everybody. But at the same time, it's given us an incredible breadth of knowledge that I think is really valuable to our customers because when they come to us and say, we have this problem we want solved, we can look at it from a very objective standpoint of this is the solution that works best for your needs and is not tied to any one company. We're not tied to Microsoft. We're not tied to Magic Leap. We're not tied to Intel. We just know what the best solutions are across the different industries and bringing those to customers is the key because there's so much noise out there and there's so many different solutions. It's easy to get overwhelmed. And if you bring in a studio who is really good at 360 video, guess what they're going to sell you? They're going to sell you 360 video. So I think it's important to also understand that different studios do different things and you really need to focus on a strategy. So thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, I think that guys like us that have been thinking about XR for the last few years, it's very easy for us to come up with use cases. I think the best thing about XR is the worst thing about XR, and it's that it can literally change everything. And to your point, it's hard to pick what do we use it for? Because the truth is, pick anything and the answer will be we can figure out a way to use it. That's the problem. <laughs> we used to have a tagline, we do everything, like E-V-R-Y thing. We do everything. It's great to do everything, but it's really hard to focus on those things. We're about to make a, a pretty big announcement and it will allow us to continue doing everything, but in a different way, one that will serve a, a far greater uh, community of people and businesses. So pretty excited about that. What do you see as the future of XR? What is the future as it pertains to business? What do you see coming up in the future that really excites you? One of the first things that I thought about whenever I first dove into VR was productivity. As a writer, I know that it can be very easy to get distracted, especially when you have three hours of writing ahead of you or, or what have you. Everyone tries to find their perfect place, you know, the quiet cabin in the woods. But there's only so many quiet cabins in the woods, especially when you live downtown in a busy city, where in a VR headset, you know, with augmented audio noise-canceling headphones that exist today, and perhaps a keyboard, as a writer, I could go anywhere I want. I can go to my happy place and I can write. I also saw a dissertation a few years ago that some student did where he showed the possibility of an in-VR workstation. So instead of being limited to two or three or however many monitors you have these days on your desk, you could put screens in front of you, behind you, left, right, any direction, and then at different focal lengths. The, the human eye sees it like three natural focal lengths, really close up, 
about six feet away, and then about 50 feet in front of them. These are those three layers of natural viewpoints. And you could put screens at all three of those layers in all directions, optimizing for what information is most important. He theorized that you could increase productivity by a minimum of 30%, if not upwards of 80%, depending on the job. And even if I told you, oh, if everyone had a VR headset at your IT company, you'll increase productivity by 10% per employee. Okay, 10% isn't a huge number, but 10% times a 600 employee company, well, now we're talking. So that's what got me excited in the first place, not to mention training, not to mention marketing, not to mention everything else. I truly believe that XR is just a new interface to technology, and therefore it's going to change everything. Well, it's interesting you said that because one of the uh, interviews on the podcast you can go back and find if you're listening is with the president of HTC Vive China, Alvin Wang Graylin, and something that they just announced at their Vive ecosystem conference was multi-mode VR. You're going to be able to do exactly what you said and bring your computer screen into VR. And what they've also done is they've created the ability to, for you to plug your headset into your PlayStation or Xbox or computer or television and just take automatically the information from your 2D screen into your 3D world and make it any size. So you could be working on an iMac screen rather than staring at your 13-inch MacBook. There's other companies doing that. Big Screen VR, I know, is one of the killer apps right now. And one of the things that they're doing, it, they thought it was going to be more productivity. But what it turns out is a lot of people are just using it to watch movies on a really big screen. Yes. The ability to sit there next to somebody and have your girlfriend who maybe it's a long distance relationship or your friends or whatever, you can sit in, in the room together, have a conversation while watching a movie on an IMAX screen. Take that to productivity. Holy crap, I cannot wait to have my 13-inch screen be an IMAX screen in front of me so I can actually look up rather than look down while I'm working. And I think there's going to be a lot of chiropractors out of work because of this. Yes. Yeah. And there's also notifications, right? Instead of the notification popping up and, oh, I got to look away or whatever. I mean, it can literally pop up between you and your screen without actually occluding the screen behind you. Uh, and, and little things like that add up over time. I agree. It's, it's a shame that there was one company really focused on the enterprise workstation VR. And I can't remember what they were called, but they were really too early to the show. And if they had made it past 2019, I think there would be a market for it. That leads us into where VR is right now and AR we're really at that precipice of that's an acceptable technology. There's lots of businesses using it. The results are phenomenal. And the cost is being driven down to reasonable amounts. I personally think that 2019 is the breakout year of virtual and augmented reality. What are your thoughts? I honestly 100% agree. Well, all right. You know, if you take into account the fact that by the end of this year, there'll be probably 20 million VR headsets in the market. PlayStation's got about 4.5 million sold. Oculus has sold a couple million. HTC Vive sold a couple million. So I think we're going to reach not critical mass yet with, with consumers, but definitely a critical mass in businesses. And combine that with the fact that there'll be over 2 billion, with a B, smartphones that have augmented reality enabled on them right away. By the end of this year, you've got 2 billion devices that can do three-dimensional computing. And this is the tipping point. I think a lot of people discredit the gaming side of things, right? Like, oh, they're just gamers with their gaming computers, what have you. But the average gamer is, what, like 40 years old now? And you've got companies like Valve who've just announced that they're stepping into the game. And they've got some pretty popular IPs, to say the least. 
yes, it's for gaming, but if you get all your gamers who are probably your employees, I'm guessing most of your employees, if you're an IT company anyway, at least your tech employees, probably play games or have, your employees can be the evangelists for this XR wave that you need to grab hold of. I agree. I couldn't agree more. And I think a lot of game studios are doing some kind of contract work on the side with enterprises because they have the product pipelines. They know how to build AR. They know how to build VR. And they've got skills to make gamified training as well. And I think that's going to be a huge part of all of this as we move forward. One of the things that I wanted to bring up is that VR is happening and AR is happening everywhere in the world. Literally from Sydney, Australia to New York, LA, everywhere in the world, whether you're in Silicon Valley or a small town in the Midwest, this is happening everywhere. So maybe as a parting words, what is some things that you really see as the fundamentals of getting involved in this technology, especially from a business standpoint? What do you think is the first step so you can harness this power immediately? The first step is the the best thing and worst thing about spatial computing, and that's the only way to begin understanding it is to experience it. So my number one recommendation to any company is to, whether it's go out and buy a headset or if you're the VR nerd at your company and you have a headset at home, bring it in, you know, clean it off, of course, but have everybody at the company take a look. Everybody put the goggles on. Everybody put the glasses on. Play a demo. A simple demo is all it takes, whether it's a game or if you have an enterprise-level demo. I think that that alone will get the ball rolling. Couldn't agree with you more. Somebody explained it to me. Explaining VR to somebody who has never tried it is like explaining the color red to a blind person. It's impossible. If you own a headset, your responsibility is to make sure everybody tries it. Get it on everybody's head. I really want to thank you so much, Michael, for taking the time. Uh, Michael Eikens here. Thank you very much. Thanks, Alan. I'm excited to see what you've got cooking. Absolutely. And thank you for listening. This has been the XR for Business podcast with your host, Alan Smithson. This podcast was another amazing, incredible example of how XR technologies are revolutionizing business across every industry. You can learn more about our guest, Michael Eikenseer and VR Dojo by visiting vrdojo.org, vrdojo.org. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you. Being an influencer on LinkedIn in the XR field uh, really has opened up an opportunity for us to not only understand what corporations are looking for in virtual augmented mixed reality and artificial intelligence, but also from the aspect of the startups, studios, developers, and enthusiasts out there and what they need. So what we decided to do after getting hundreds and hundreds of messages is to open up XR Ignite to the entire XR community of startups, studios, individuals, passionate people, and really to build a new community that brings together everybody who's passionate about this technology for a low cost and allow them to contribute, to learn, and to get better across the whole industry. That is really the reason why we started XR Ignite, to hyper-accelerate the XR for business industry, business and education. And one of the things that we just keep noticing is that there's so many resources out there. There's the VRAR Association, which we're partners with. There are you know, reports coming out daily, but there's no one source where people can come together and start just having conversations around how to get better in this industry. And that's why we started XR Ignite. I would encourage anybody who's listening to this podcast, 
If you're in the corporate side, if you're a startup, if you're an individual, if you're an enthusiast, sign up today at xrignite.com and you'll be getting access to new reports, investor lists, media lists, exclusive content, interviews with our mentors. We have over 56 mentors. And if you're a startup and you pay an annual fee, you'll actually have the opportunity to book a one-on-one, one-hour call with one of the mentors. What we're doing with that is we're actually recording those sessions, we're transcribing them, taking out any personal information, and we're making those transcripts available to all members. So I think XR Ignite is gonna drive a lot of value for anybody in this industry who's looking to up their game, and also for corporates who want a real insight as to what technology is coming out. So I would encourage everybody to sign up at xrignite.com, and I really look forward to driving value, executing on our mission to hyper-accelerate XR for business and education.